a Syracuse winning weekend everywhere, a national championship for soccer and a win or two for basketball. If you include the Monmouth victory on Monday, we're going to talk about everything that has to do with Syracuse basketball unlocked on Syracuse starts right now. Our locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse orange part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on your Wednesday episode of Locked On Syracuse. Thanks for making it your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. It's a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Uh, Okay. Syracuse basketball, like we've said many times in the pod recently, has a chance to go on a huge winning streak here. Uh, They've taken down a few really, really simple opponents. Nobody that has offered quite a huge test, though the Saturday game this upcoming Saturday against Cornell might just be that as they have put up some decent competition against an ACC opponent already, 105 points in a loss against Miami. Miami beat them 107-105. They're projected to beat Cornell, Pitt, BC, and Louisville, uh, all by Ken Palm. So Syracuse in a pretty good spot right now. Like I said, beating Oakland, Georgetown, and Monmouth. But there are still some questions. And in this last Monmouth game, I will say it is a little bit tough to gauge anything when the opponent is so bad. Like, obviously... You like when the guys play well, and, and that's always a good thing. But how much stock can you really put in to a Judah Mintz double-double if he's doing it against a team that arguably shouldn't even be uh, playing Division One basketball? So uh, that's where it, it gets to be a little bit questionable, but obviously you still take the wins. They're 7-4 and four right now. Um, a lot of conversations still revolving Jim Beheim's starting lineup, still revolving uh, what should be the bench rotations. We didn't really see all that much out of Justin Taylor in this game. We saw Malik Brown. Somebody tweeted at us, asked, why can't Malik and John Bull both play? Decent question. I guess the answer comes from Jim Beheim. There's really no reason they shouldn't, um, except for the fact that if Beheim doesn't think Malik's ready to play against big opponents, um, John Bolajac isn't exactly a great player. He does his role, uh, but he gets the minutes for a reason. 100%. I I think this is right now a weird time with this team and and figuring out, you know, what you can take at face value and what you are up in the air about and what you should be really excited about and maybe where the nerves should be. It's been a weird stretch where where there's not really – things that you see are not necessarily set in stone and there's not a lot of necessarily long-term validity to the trends you're seeing and what you're currently seeing from this team because of the competition that they're playing, right? You look in terms of Ken Palm numbers. Yes, you beat a a quality Notre Dame team 
who has dipped in terms of ranking since Syracuse has played them uh, a little bit uh, down to, what are they now, in the 90s, I believe. Uh, but right now, when you look at this team for Syracuse, it's it's a couple of non-so-quality wins, right? You beat Oakland. You beat a pretty bad Georgetown. You beat a really bad Monmouth. Both of those teams giving you first-half runs uh, and keeping this game close for a good chunk of the first half, if not the entire first half, in the case of Monmouth. And then you come out and, and you do what you're supposed to do in the second half, right? I, I don't know what that means, right, when you see that that Jesse is dominant. I, I think that's a really good sign. I think that means that Jesse is who we wanted him to be coming back from injury this season. But I don't know how much it means at this point, right? He's playing guys that are smaller than him. He's playing guys that are, you know, far inferior to him in terms of skill set. Same goes for Judah, right? What can Judah do against a better defense and, and better guard defensive players and things like that? What can this Syracuse defense do? against opposing offenses that put, you know, quite frankly, don't suck uh, in the case of Monmouth, whose offensive efficiency is 320th in the country. In the case of Georgetown, who's outside the top 100 in efficiency, who in the case of Oakland, who's outside the top 180 in efficiency, you did well defensively against a Notre Dame team who, who is solid in terms of offensive efficiency. I will give you that. But that was, you know, probably the best defensive game that they played yeah. uh, at, so far this season. And it, it's not consistent enough. So there are a lot of things right now where, yes, you're seeing things and you're seeing wins. But what can you grasp onto right now and say, this is what I think you truly can expect moving forward? I'm not sure. To get to the point that you were getting at when you, you pitched me this before I went on a, a massive tangent of random ideas that popped into my head. When we talk Malik Brown. When we talk John Bull, what I think I want to see right now is, I mean, let's let's take the the example from from last game against Monmouth that, that you saw last night or, or two nights ago uh, when you are listening to this podcast. But when you look at this in terms of minutes, right, John Bull plays 15, Malik Brown plays 24. That's a combined complete game from them in terms of 40 minutes. I'm fine with them chopping those minutes up. I think they sure. both should chop those minutes up because I think they're both very, very much deserving of minutes at this point. John Bolt is a spark. And although he doesn't score offensively, he does a ton in terms of screen setting and distributing. Uh, I think one of the best passing bigs uh, and a very solid passing big uh, in terms of Syracuse recently, definitely, I think uh, he, he should be in that conversation sees the lane well, sees passes well, uh, and, and distributes the ball really well. Malik Brown, on the other hand, can score, really crashes the boards, really does a good job. And, and they present such, I guess, polarizing approaches to what they can contribute to this team that I see no reason that if you're going to give them 40 minutes or maybe in a, in a different game, that number I assume will be less. Maybe it's 30 minutes. I'm very much fine with almost any variation of that time split as long as right. John bull doesn't come out and do nothing. If John bull comes out and does nothing, he doesn't need to be in the game. No excuse for him to be in the game. Same with Malik Brown. Malik Brown comes out and does nothing. No excuse for him to be in the game, but any variation of, of that spread in terms of minutes 
And right now I think I side for if it's 30 minutes, um, Malik Brown getting 20 of the 30 and John Bull getting 10. I think that works in my mind. I think that's what it should be just because of the scoring output. And then you can still use Bull uh, in certain situations where you can utilize that spark and have that, that energy and different approach that he can present. It's interesting. And I, I'm really curious to see what happens moving forward. Going to take a quick break. This one brought to you by Omaha Steaks, people. This is insane. Omaha Steaks has cut prices 50% site-wide to make you the gift-giving hero you always wanted to be. The holidays are here. Achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. When I gave Grandpappy Bonaparte an Omaha Steak for Christmas back in 2016, he was blown away. He was right off his rocker, all right? I handed him a filet mignon, and he was shook. And that could be your grandpappy. Omaha Steaks have put together a delicious selection of various gift packages to make shopping for the ones you love nice and easy. Go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of 50% off site-wide. Plus, use code LOCKEDON at checkout to get an additional $40 off your offer. Don't wait. Order today and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Take advantage of 50% off site-wide. Plus, use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that 40% off your order. Minimum order may be required. Okie dokie. Um, Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine back with you. We're talking Syracuse basketball. They are seven and four in the season and they have an easy couple games, maybe, uh, coming up Cornell Pitt, BC Louisville. They're projected to win all those, but I, I can't help but feel Owen. And let me know if you agree with me and let us know if you agree in the comments on YouTube or Twitter, just a quick shout out to the YouTube watchers. We are under 30 subscribers away to a thousand under 30 subscribers away from Owen, giving away some tickets to a game to four people, uh, a family of four, five, if there's a case. Um, so make sure if you're not subscribed right now, go ahead and subscribe. It's free. It means nothing to you maybe, but it means a lot to us. So please go ahead and do that. Um, but, I can't help but feel like this team's going to get just punched in the throat at some point. Uh, And and if it doesn't come the next four games, it's going to come against Virginia, who is ranked ninth by Ken Palm and still has Kihei Clark somehow. I mean, they they're playing weak opponents and you're you're stacking up wins here. But are we worried about ACC play? I mean, of course, the ACC is really oddly stacked this year and that the top is really heavy and the bottom is really light. Um, but still, those are those opponents are going to be better than the opponents you're playing right now. Uh, and like we saw last year, they could lose some games that they're not supposed to, especially with some inexperience this time around. So there's there's still a lot to work through. They're going to be growing pains with this team. We knew that. But do you think that Bayheim's going to whip this team into shape? Partially, yes, and and partially, no. I, I do think that there's only so much that, that can be done with the current personnel and, and the team as it is, right? I don't think that 
there's a magical fix to Chris Bell becoming a strong rebounder or to Bell and Taylor both hitting threes at a clip that we were hoping that they would hit at the start of the season. I don't know if that's a quick fix and a magical thing like that. The changes that I think he can pull off, maybe, not guaranteed, but are, are within the realm of possibility, is maybe the defense takes its next steps and is is worked through and becomes better in terms of rotation and closeouts and and things of that nature. I don't know everything that can be fixed. I don't think everything can be fixed. But I, I do think there are some alterations that can be made uh, on the offensive end as well in terms of ball movement and the utilization of Jesse and the timing of that and what you can build off of that. And same goes for the ability to build off of Judah getting to the basket and drawing attention and, and drawing switches and things like that, or a double team and finding the open man, because that's the stuff that's going to get you to be shooting at a higher clip as a team uh, overall from three and, and hitting bigger shots and, and getting that scoring for maybe guys that you haven't seen the scoring from necessarily this season. Uh, I don't know, as you said, right, what, what can be figured out. And there are some things, but this is a stretch right now where you, you hope that a lot is figured out. And as you mentioned, it's, it's an ACC slate that, yes, there are challenges. I'm not saying there are not, but it's an ACC slate that's winnable most of these games, right? Virginia is the one team right now. Duke, you can throw in that mix, I guess, as well. But the top of the ACC doesn't look incredible. I mean, Virginia's out. They've done a lot so far. They look incredible. They really do. But, I mean, North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina's been a huge disappointment. Has played a gauntlet. I will say that. They're playing and losing to decent teams. But not as good a teams as you thought they'd be losing to coming into the season as the uncontested number one with everyone thinking that, you know, a a national runner-up or no. Excuse me. Yeah, national runner-up coming in with basically the entire team plus a pretty damn good recruiting class. And they come out and they lose four straight? That doesn't make sense, right? But that, that's the reality right now. Uh, you've got good teams, yes, in terms of, you know, VT is right there. They're not great. They're not bad. Duke is decent for sure. Duke's going to give you challenges. But this is a very, very manageable ACC slate, which I think helps and hurts, right? Yeah, it hurts because if they lose those games. Wins. Yeah, the yeah. losses are not as excusable as in years past. I honestly think that it hurts more than it helps just because you won't. I think you could be right. Come tournament time, you're not going to be able to say they played a tough ACC slate. You're going to say they played a really weak ACC this year, and some of those losses you're going to look at because inevitably, inevitably they will lose, uh, are going to be pretty bad. Um, and last year, of course, people tried to make the tournament uh, case until the dying embers, but um, you know they just had bad losses left, right, and center. The Colgate loss even before ACC play, and then Pitt and Miami and Wake and whoever. Um, it just was never going to work out. So this year, I mean, you really have to take advantage of those ACC games, but at the same time, everyone you lose is going to make it a lot harder uh, for you to make the tournament. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. And in terms of if you say you chalk up Virginia, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, and Duke as losses. I'm even going to say Miami can be a win. I'm saying I'm chalking up, okay. you know, your your top four teams right now as losses. You can go 11 and five, but if they win their next four and they get to 11 and four right now, is a 22 and nine team in this ACC a shoe in for the tournament? Probably not, um, but you also have to counter in. I, I know that you're using the hypothetical, but I'm just saying, like they're going to lose games they shouldn't, and they're probably win exactly they shouldn't. Um, I'm, I'm saying in terms of pure hypothetical here, right? I mean, they, they shot themselves in the foot losing to yeah. Bryant, losing to Colgate. Um, you if you imagine you only had two losses right now instead of four. I mean, it's a whole imagine different three arena instead of four. But I mean, I I don't want to be so negative and say that it, you know they're all is lost. They, they still to, totally could still make the tournament, uh, and the season is by no means over or anything like that. I still have a lot of confidence in this team, uh, and I think there's a ton of talent. Bayheim just yeah. really has to. I think that in the next couple of games, before you get to the meat of the ACC, you have to have the rotations figured out. I mean, I don't – granted, I didn't watch the entire game because of the soccer game, but I don't really understand why some games we're seeing Justin Taylor given a huge leash and go off for 25 points. Obviously, Judah was ejected in that game, the Bryant game, and it was a different story. But still, have something like that and then have two minutes last night or Munir Hima have one minute last night. Uh, it just doesn't make much sense to me. Chris Bell's going to start, but he's only going to play 12 minutes. What's the story? I, you really have to figure it out. And, and I'm pushing for that because there's a lot of depth on this team. And if you're able to use it the way uh, to benefit you 100%, this team could be really good. But if you're going to just pick six guys a game to really play and the other guys are going to be shoot aside, you're going to have problems. Uh, and there's going to be no flow to the game. So, obviously, I'm going to trust the Hall of Famer, but I think it's got to happen sooner rather than later. 100%. I'm curious, you know, where this lineup winds up uh, as you get to the ACC stretch, where you you start, yes, with, with some easier ACC games. But when you hit Virginia, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, Miami, that four game stretch, um, in January, what does that lineup look like? What does the rotation yeah. look like in that stretch? I don't know because there is really so much parity night to night. And I, I think it's two times now where we've watched as Malik Brown plays a solid game like he did in the game against, oh boy, where am I? Oakland. Yes. Sorry. In the Oakland game, he plays really well, puts up 12 points, seven rebounds, and then doesn't touch the court against Georgetown. Yeah. And now last night, two nights ago when you're listening to this, puts up a solid 11-7. and What happens next game against Cornell? Right, like it, it seems like he's showing what you want him to see, and then nothing. Yeah. And then same with Taylor, right? His minutes inconsistent. 
I, I don't know in terms of rotation and, and their minutes are, are something that I think a lot of people are focused on and should be focused on because what this rotation sort of sets itself as has a lot of implications moving forward as we've learned, right? No one wants to go and not play. Transferring sure. is a very easy thing to do right now. Uh, it's obviously what no one wants, and you hope that the team and culture and future means enough that people stay. But we but know that don't in the like, past that hasn't been the truth. People don't like to stay. I will always yeah. nod my head and tip the cap to Benny Williams for saying last year, I don't deserve the minutes. I have not been playing well. I need to figure it out, and I'm going to figure it out here. Yeah. Incredible. Awesome. I don't know if everyone is in that same boat. A guy like, and this is, I'm not saying this as a bash of character for any of these kids. I don't know them, right? I don't know character stuff. But a guy in, say, Quidir Copeland's situation, where you're not playing much at all, you know, what's the thought process with him? A couple of other guys in that same boat, right? That could be playing somewhere else, maybe. If you take, obviously, you're going to take a hit in terms well, of the level. Yeah. But, but it's I mean, a totally are, different game, you know? Yeah. I feel like Bayheim is still recruiting like it's 2011, and he knows he's going to have that guy for the next four years because he's not going to transfer because if he does, he's going to have to wait a year to play, and that's just not the case anymore. Now it's free agency, and, and you can go and do whatever the heck you want. So it's hard to recruit like he's used to recruiting. Um, yeah, and I don't want to say that as yeah. like – I'm not saying this right now as a bash of, of Bayheim and, oh, you know, Quidier's got to be playing a ton. I'm just saying, right, the implications of – who ends up making this sort of condensed lineup that you inevitably get when you get into conference play and you get against your your better opponents that you'll be facing in a stretch that it's back to back to back to back games against quality teams. Yeah. Right? That that says a lot. And that it is condensed and it's it's definitely diluted in terms of who plays. But I, I mean there are long term implications of this and we are not sure and I guess that's probably where Bayheim sits right now as well in terms of not being sure who should get this, this bench minutes and, and the minutes off the bench and these key role player or times uh, definitely up in the air for Bayheim mentally, as much as it is for us right now from afar. Let's take another quick break. This one brought to you by bet online, BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest thoughts and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and world cup. They got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love podcasts, sports podcasts, especially they got those two They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, head to the betting or head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts. Okay, quick question for you, Owen, before we wrap up here. Who is the potential, the number one potential X factor for this team that's not currently in the starting lineup? The guy that isn't necessarily going to play the most minutes, isn't necessarily going to make the biggest impact, but when he comes off the bench and it's in crunch time, you're happy to see him. Um, For me, I mean, that was Bobby Braswell in the tournament. Uh, a couple years ago when he came off the bench, everyone was happy to see Bobby Braswell played a great zone, shot the three. Well, did everything he needed to do. Uh, and he was great. He wasn't the best player on the floor. He wasn't the most athletic guy and he wasn't the best scorer, but he played his role incredibly well. Uh, and he would have been great if he stuck around, but he instead went to Charlotte to play the exact same amount of minutes and not start. 
Um, who's that guy for you this year? Oh, that is the question, Bones. That is the question. Uh, I I want to say John Bull, but I can't. I just can't. You know, I you are the biggest John, John Bull, Bull fan ever. I can't do it. Um, I I do think that we're gonna stay at that position because he he shows me the most, and maybe that's a reflection of the games that he's getting the most minutes in, and the opponents, and the you know the sort of scenario where he's getting his bulk minutes. You know what? I was gonna say Malik Brown there. I'm not. I'm gonna alter a third time. I'm all over the place. I'm going Justin Taylor. Uh, and because I think he's what's needed and, and I want to be in that mindset of this team is going to need a guy like Taylor to, to be as effective as we thought he would be. I uh, remember we thought preseason him and bell are going to be in this heated battle where both of them are playing so well that there is going to be just this, this head on clash for who is taking these minutes. And right now, it's like they're they're both just sort of standing there. There's no clash. Neither are playing well. Just, yeah. A combined 14 minutes last game. Yeah. I, I want it to be Taylor. I really do because I, I think he helps, and, and I've got that, that St. John's flash and, and what he was able to do in that game. But I, I haven't even seen – like the glimpses of it aren't even there anymore. I'm going to backtrack. Again? Uh, again. And wow. I'm going to lock in. I'm going to lock in Malik Brown. That was just a full peek inside my brain. I am going to lock in Malik Brown because I do think Malik does the most. And I, I don't need to bank on this. Oh, maybe Taylor can do this situation. I've seen it from Malik Brown more than one time. I saw it in the exhibitions. I was like, oh my, this guy is going to be outstanding and really fun to watch. Then it faded, and then it's brought itself back up a couple of times. In the last two games where he's played decent minutes, he's gotten double figures in scoring and seven boards. I think that's saying a lot for me in terms of potential to come off the bench and be impact and, and major impact and putting up numbers and, and being the spark you need. You mentioned Braswell. I'm going to go bigger name because I want to go bigger name. I'm thinking James Sutherland from like 2011 to 2013 coming in off the bench and you just knew it was about to go down. Splash, 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 breaking Big East tournament records in terms of three-pointers, just going absolutely off. I want that kind of impact. I don't think you're getting to that level and I don't want the comparison to be that, but I want like that same energy that, the last year of James Sutherland sort of brought where when he came in off the bench, you were ready for something to happen. And I think Malik Brown can present that same energy with what I've seen from him in the games where he's playing a decent amount. Never forget when James Sutherland came off the bench against Arkansas and dropped 35. That Go dude in. was a beast. I loved that guy. Um, he had nine threes in that game. Insane. Um <laughs> I think mine's Saimir. You know what? That's a great answer. I didn't even think of <laughs> I think Saimir's my guy because uh, he's got the experience. He's the dad when he's on the court. He's running the offense. He's not a great scorer. He's not exceptional at pretty much anything. 
but he's a solid dribbler. He's a decent defender, uh, and he knows what he's doing in the zone. I just Simir is a great. He, he's a great answer for this for me, and I just I like Simir. Bones, I'm yep. gonna tip the locked on hat to you for that answer Thank you. because appreciate that. And you know I'm not gonna backtrack again. I can't do it. You could. Just you be, could. I can't. I simply cannot. I that was a phenomenal answer out of you, and, and really good appreciate because that. of what he does present in terms of just seems composed. And a lot of the time just brings the, not in a bad way, brings the energy down in terms of chaotic energy. It seems yeah. like he's able to simplify a lot of things when he's out there, which with a young team really does go a long way. All right. That's all the time we have on Lockdown Syracuse today. Thanks for making it your first listen for your next. Check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. I'm Matt Bonaparte. He's Owen Valentine. We'll see you tomorrow.